Good morning, church family. Several have asked me about my coat and tie, and uh, I've had several comments. Are you going to a funeral? Or I said, if you go, I'm ready. You know. Uh, so, uh, but I was preaching uh, the title of the sermon. That is, I'm preaching on making change. So I thought I'd make one. Temporary, you understand. We're going to talk about making changes a little longer than that. This has been a, a, a great series. You know, uh, uh, there's a lot of great things to celebrate. Well, before we actually get into the lesson, uh, I do want to celebrate something else. Ronnie and Cynthia Thrift celebrated 50 years of Where are you guys at? Stand up there. Let's celebrate with them. 50 years of marriage. Amen. Amen. Great job, Cynthia. Oh, I mean, I mean, you too, Ronnie. What a blessing. What a great example for our young people. Marriages. One man, one woman, one lifetime. I mean, that's what we're after, right? And renewing and changing our lives. Well, in this particular series, we've been talking about changes. And uh, uh, Max started us off uh, with uh, the very first principle about realizing that I'm not God and that I'm powerless to change things and yet uh, uh, and I can't manage my own life. And then the second uh, principle that Mac also covered was to earnestly believe that God exists. I matter to him and that he has the power to help me. Then we talked about consciously choosing, making that commitment to really submit our will to Christ's care and Christ's control. And that's a hard thing. It takes humility. It takes examining ourselves, which is what Trent dealt with last week on openly examine and confess my faults to God and to someone else. And you know, that's difficult, right? Because it makes us vulnerable and uh, also have to get our pride out of the way and to really say, okay, I'm really ready to look. But now once that look has taken place, there has to somewhere be this next step which we talk about today, which is an action step. It's voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly Ask him to remove my character defects. And we all have them. We all need to make some changes in our life. And we celebrate the change that God has already brought about in so many right here in our church family. You know, uh, uh, what we sometimes sit around as we come. We don't know each other that well sometimes in a big crowd. And it looks like everybody's got it. But everybody, everybody has a story, don't they? Everybody has changes that need to be made in their life. We're all the same way. Uh, we all have that need to have that transformation. I love what Brandon said. There's a need for transformation. He said, I have a purpose now. I'm redeemed. And I love that. That God has, has rescued him. He's rescued all of us by that story of the gospel. Well, these character defects, these problems that we have, and uh, where do they come from? Well, sometimes, you know, you have this this thing that gets you just because of, of genetics, the chromosomes, right? I'm not talking about being born in sin, but we're all, uh, we're not born guilty of sin, but we're all born impacted by sin. And we also sometimes have tendencies from our own heritage and from, uh, uh, from, our, uh, from our own chemistry that we got from our fathers, right? And our mothers and, and passed down. Because you, you've, you've heard that said, well, you know that so-and-so. He's hot-tempered. Wow, that family, they're all hot-tempered, right? You know, you have those tendencies sometimes to, to, uh, 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 that you got handed down to you, even genetically sometimes. But then there's also our circumstances. 
I'll tell you what, the Friday night when listening to Shelby's testimony, what a powerful thing. But I think about the terrible circumstances that she had to overcome and, and, and as she came to God and that God brought her out of. Sometimes, look, you look and abuse kids, it's terrible, and yet sometimes they become the, the abusers. And so they're fighting a circumstance, they're fighting situations. Now, now that doesn't cause us to sin because ultimately it's our own choices that we've made and that we keep making that uh, cause us problems and we get in those habits and those patterns that affect us. Well, you know, uh, those kinds of things, those kinds of changes are difficult. What makes those kind of changes difficult? Are One, we've had those problems usually a long, long time. You know, it takes a while to change somebody's character because it's so uh, deep within our hearts. Also, we sometimes don't change, and it's difficult because we identify with the sin. We say things like, well, uh, uh, you know, I'm just that way. Uh, I, that's the way I always am. Uh, and we make this I- sinful activity our identity. And being, instead of being something we commit, it becomes a part of who we are. And Satan loves to make us believe that because if he can make us believe that, then we'll believe the lie that we can't ever change because that's just how we are. And then, of course, Satan himself is always out there as a roaring lion, Peter says, looking whom he can devour and take advantage of, and he'll attack us in all of our vulnerabilities. So it is difficult to make changes. But how can I change? Well, Paul said in Romans chapter 12 that it is an inside job. Don't be conformed, that's pressure from outside, but be transformed, that's an inside job. Transformation takes place from inside, which, by the way, is where God put His Holy Spirit, right? Inside our bodies. And so, the change that we need to make in uh, in addressing our character faults, uh, that's an inside job. Now, it's a real difficult time because some of those patterns have been set up for life. It's our autopilot, or it's your default, Right? It's the thing you just automatically go to. How do you know what your default is? Well, you ask this question. It's just like me too, and answer it. Fill in the blank, and you'll find your default. Now, if you're having trouble with that, just ask your family. Uh, they can tell you real quick. Why, it's just like old Joe to blow up every time. It's just like old Joe to not show up for a job. It's just like old Joe gets mad and go out and get drunk. It's just like him. And so they can tell you what your default is. And we all know what our default pattern is, right? We, that's something that's been in, inside of us. And so you're fighting that. And so that's what makes it difficult. Then you have to change that pattern of thinking and living inside our heart and mind. Well, how do you do that? Let me, uh, I'm going to give you a few ways. By the way, you're not going to remember all this. So write it down. Get out a piece of uh, paper and a pen. Borrow one from your neighbor. Put it on your iPad or your phone. Okay, and write this down. You know, Carl Allison always said, weakest ink, stronger than strongest mind. Write it down, you know. And that's a lot of truth there. So I want to give you uh, several things here. So uh, write them down. See if they'll help you out a little bit. First of all, focus on what I want, not what I don't want. Now, in Philippians 4, he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure. And And so he gives you a list of things to think about. 
And, and, and so we got to change our thinking and, and what goes on in our mind. How do you do that? How do you change what's going on in your mind? You change that by time in God's Word. What do you read? What do you look at? What do you listen to? Those are the things that change the patterns that are in our mind. So instead of, uh, instead of just resisting what's wrong, I have to refocus toward what I want to become in God. I have to look at what God wants and refocus, not just resist. You see, you can never just say that idea, I'm just going to resist this thing. It's kind of like, you know, you turn your TV on, a bad program comes on, you say, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going to resist that, but you don't change the channel. It won't work. Changing the channel refocuses you to another area that's better and more healthy, right? So there has to be that refocus, and that means spending time in God's Word. You see, when we have, we have these little electrical patterns forming in our mind and in our brain when we think about the same thing over and over again. There's a rut that's dug in there. Now, you know what a rut is, right? It's a grave with both ends kicked out. Uh, think about that one. We get in a rut, but we want to get in good ones. Because our bad character comes out of ones that have been formed that we have a hard time changing. And the way you change those is by over and over again. Just look at all the thousands of promises in God's Word. Memorize Bible verses. Focus on those. Read God's Word on a daily basis. You have to change. I have to change the way I think if I'm going to change my character. Because my default is going to take me to the wrong place. And I've got to create a new pattern of thinking, and that means really spending some time in God's Word. Every time you think the same thought, that pattern gets deeper and deeper in your heart and your mind. David said it this way, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what, sin against you. There's a powerful thing about hiding God's Word in your heart. The other thing is to focus, number two, on changing one thing at a time. Proverbs 17, 24, an intellectual an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. You know, you just, you just can't say, I'm going to change everything I need to change all at the same time. Now, I know that there are people who uh, uh, we claim to be good, good multitaskers, right? You, we say that word like they're doing a lot of things at the same time, but they're really not. They're just able to, sh- to focus on one thing at a time at a very short period of time and get things done. But you've got to focus on one thing. Because we just can't change everything all at once. We live in a world that says we want instant change. We want instant everything. We want instant food, instant instant uh, drink, instant help, instant service. You know, we'll go shopping. We want it right then and right there. Everything's instant. It doesn't work that way. And so we have to focus on that. Also, along with that, focus on one victory one day at a time. You know, Matthew says, give us this day our daily bread. And Matthew 6 says, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble. So look, don't look too far ahead. By the way, don't worry about the past either. Because remember, yesterday really did end last night. It's gone. You don't have to worry about the past. 
So, but you have today to live for God. Focus on just one victory that if that boss that you work for is tough to get along with, and you know, so you go in there. So maybe it's just for you know, I'm focusing in on these three hours that I'm going to be with this guy, but I'm going to respond the way God wants me to do. Just this day, I'm going to focus on this one time. I, I, I'm not saying I'm going to be sober the rest of my life. I want to be sober today. One day I'm going to have victory today. Just this day, one day at a time. It helps us so much. I think. In, the, in accomplishing what we need to. And then look, when you have the victory that day, give God the glory for it. Give God the glory for it. Also, focus on God's power, not willpower. I love this verse. Can a leopard take away his spots? Nor can you, who are used to doing evil, now start being good. You're used to doing evil. There's a pattern and a habit of doing evil. You're not going to instantly stop that. Willpower may can make a little difference temporarily for a few things, but you'll never change your character out of willpower. Character is only changed by God power. And so, you see, I, I, I can master something when Jesus is the one giving me the strength to overcome it. I can't master it by myself. I need God every day of my life to, to, to shore up those shortcomings in my life day in and day out. Number five, focus on doing good, not feeling good. This is one that's got our culture captured. I hear people make this argument, Mike, but Mike, I think God wants me to be happy. Really? Where's that verse? I'm still, I'm still looking for that one. Now, I think there's joy. God wants me to have joy, but that, but that's different than being happy. This idea that somehow or another life ought to make me happy and I should be able to do anything that makes me happy, that's totally a self-absorbed life. That's totally a selfish attitude. It's not about you being happy or me being happy. It's about me living for God. I have to focus on doing good, not feeling good. There are many times I don't feel like doing the right thing, but i got to do the right thing anyway. You do the right thing, the feelings will come later. But you've got to do the right thing regardless of how our emotions are. Well, I just don't feel like... Well, you know what? I, I, you just sometimes have to get your want to change, you know? And that means you have to decide you're going to take action regardless of how you feel. And you're not necessarily doing things to make you always feel better. We do things to, not to please us, but to please God. When our goal is to please God, then we'll be okay. Because we'll have the joy and contentment that God wants us to have in life. Then, number six, focus on people who help, not hinder. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says that iron sharpens iron so people can improve each other. In 1975, when I became a Christian, I knew instantly that I could not keep running with the guys that I was running with. Because I knew our habit of our behavior, and it wasn't very good. 
And so I knew that I could not keep doing that. I couldn't keep myself in that circumstances and live right. So that means, I, that means sometimes I had to leave my apartment. I had to go stay at the student center. I had to go find somebody else to be with who would help me. I couldn't keep being around people who pulled me down. I wasn't strong enough. I couldn't do that. And, I, and, and, and these are good friends. And look, I, I'm going to later on try to share the gospel with them. But look, right now, I needed people who would help me live holy, not pull me the other direction. We need people around us that will help us. We need people that will sharpen us, that will help promote godliness in our lives. So you need to surround yourself with spiritually minded people, especially in the same area of your weakness, who can give you strength. We need that desperately. We need those relationships. We can't make it by ourselves. Christianity was never designed to be just me and God. It was always a community me and God, but also me and everyone else who's committed to Him. And so we need one another. And by the way, when we need one another, our responsibility as toward each other means that I'm looking to help people, not hurt them. So, if I'm discouraging with my actions. That's not helping somebody who's trying to grow. I need people around me who are... Look, if you're hanging around people who gripe and complain all the time, find you somebody else hanging around. Because I'm telling you, you'll gripe and complain for too long. It's just going to be that way. You know what I'm talking about. Whether it's in your job, or whether it's in your, uh, uh, in your act, uh, uh, recreation, or whether it's in your church life, don't hang around people who are critical and complaining all the time, or you'll complain all the time. You need to find people. If that's your weakness, and to find somebody who is encouraging and uplifting to be around. We need those kinds of people in our life. Then focus on progress, not perfection. Philippians 1, 6, God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in His grace until His task with you is finally finished. We are a work in progress. It's a process, this thing of growing and changing things in our life. And look, we need to recognize that it's a process not in our own lives, but we also need to recognize that it's that way in other people's lives too. Now look, if you tend to be a perfectionist and you have to do everything just right all the time, this is going to be difficult for you. Because so many times we will give up on ourselves or we condemn ourselves instead of realizing this is a time of growing and helping one another. And by the way, if you're that way, you tend to be condemning of other people pretty quick too, you know. And so we have to be people spiritually minded to recognize it's a process and a growth. Peter says you add to your faith. These things. You grow in them. Uh, my wife is kind of a perfectionist. I'm glad she's not here this service. <laughs> Y'all don't tell her. Uh, I, I, you know, I learned this early on. Uh, we were, uh, one time we were, paint, we were painting a room and I said, well, give me a roller, I'll paint, you know. And of course, I just rolled right over the plug. I, I it matched to me. I mean, you know, just keep right on rolling. Uh, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't really good enough for her. I found out she's a perfectionist about that kind of thing. She's the kind of person that I love to, I would love to have working for me, 
Ed and I would never want to work far. You know what I'm saying? They're going to make you do it right. Now, that's great integrity on the job. We want those kind of people. If you're trying to do that to your spiritual life from a sense of being right and wrong every time you don't measure up, you'll be miserable. You'll always feel guilty. You'll always feel fallen short. Look, it's a process. You're growing. It's a maturing thing. You can't be perfect and you won't be perfect. That's okay. I've looked around here and I noticed pretty quick, I'm not perfect. And I'm not seeing a whole lot of perfect people out here either, you know. We're in this thing together to help each other grow. That means we show grace to one another. Because God showed grace to us. Here's what I want you to take home. Be humble in your heart. Here's why. Transformation will never take place without that first. The Bible says God opposes the proud. I don't want to be in a position where, where God is opposing me. Does that make sense? I don't want to be there. God opposes the proud. But gives grace to the humble. See, if I'm saying words like, well, nobody's going to treat me that way. I mean, if I saw those kind of statements, pride statements. Well, they're not going to tell me pride statements. You'll sit in yourself. You know where you are. I know where I am when my pride comes up, gets in the way. God opposes me. So be humble in heart. Be holy in action. In these changes we're trying to make, we want to say, look, we're trying to be holy. We're not just trying to change something to make us look better or function better in life. We want to be holy because God says be holy because what? He is holy. So I want to be holy in my actions and whatever change I'm making, I need to make sure that's what God's Word says. I want to be a person that represents God. And then be helpful to your church. You see, the church is not some ecclesiastical organization in the sky somewhere. It's not some group of people that run an organization that you're a part of. That's not church. You are the church. Every individual in here committed to Christ, you're the church. I'm the church. We're all a part of that. And so look, we need to be helpful to your church, to our body. That means that we're going to be helpful. We're going to do things that promote spiritual health and growing. We're not going to promote things that are discouraging. You're not going to point out to someone every time they make a mistake. Instead, you're going to go walk beside them and say, let me help you. Because somebody helped me. Our church should be a place where you find that it's a safe place to get healing and help and promote a walk of holiness. That's why I love our response time. It's folks that say, somebody help me. And the church is saying, we can do it right here. Can I get an amen about that, by the way? Amen. We need to help each other. Look, there's no room for pride because the sign of a true church is not how we do an assembly. The sign of a true church is how we love one another and how we promote the gospel. Those things are signs of a true church. If you want to say the church somewhere is getting off track, then just point to somebody that that you don't have a right relationship with and it's off track. You fix that and it's getting back on track. Because changing our character individually will change our church collectively and we'll become what God wants us to be, a powerful body into the lives of our community. And that's what God wants us to be. 
representatives of Jesus. Be helpful to your church. You know, some of our defaults and our patterns of thinking have been there a long time. I always have to be careful when I go visit a church. Now, you probably relate to this. It's real easy when you go as a preacher, you start kind of examining, okay, how did the guy preach, or how did the assembly do, or I would do that, I didn't like that, or I did. You know, instead of just actually soaking up the worship and the information that could help my life there, I become a critic. Instead of humbly just sitting there gaining what God has for me that day. And when I do that, I'll miss out. I'll miss out on opportunities. And if you do that, sitting in here, you'll miss out too. I don't want you to miss anything God has for you. Because our church needs to continue to grow and mature and change. Because grace, grace says, God, it's God saying, I love you just the way you are. And I love you too much to leave you that way. And so we grow. In, in our efforts to be like Christ. Now look, we're not going to make it. It's okay. Well, I take that back. We are going to make it. Because when He comes again, we don't know what He looks like, we don't know what His body's like, but First John says when He comes again, we're going to be resurrected and have one that looks just like Him. We will finally reach our goal of being like Christ. Here we're going to be like Him the best we can be, but look, it's still always a, always a work in progress. But, man, I look forward to that day where I don't have to fight the old tendencies, the old autopilot, the old default that I put in my mind when I was in the world. I look forward to the day when I'm free of all that. What a great, great day that'll be. Amen. The good news is the gospel changes hearts. And whatever situation you're in, Change can take place because of God power. And aren't you glad that you have that? That comes to the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If you are ready to make a change in your life, we're going to have an opportunity at the invitation zone for you to walk down this aisle and make Jesus the Lord of your life, be baptized into Christ. Start all over, brand new. What a great thing. If you've gotten off track and you need to refocus then that's an opportunity at the invitation too. It's to just say, I want to be where God wants me to be and change what God wants me to change. That's our plea and that's our invitation. If you have a need, would you come while we stand and sing?